Welcome to Tramlines, a podcast from Agri. I'm your host, Tony Smith, putting your questions to the experts. In this episode, I'm talking to Agri's Tom Land, Fertiliser Technical Manager and Regional Technical Advisor and Farmer, David Fels. Today, we'll be looking at our options for winter fertiliser for crops already in the ground and preparing ground for the following spring. The recent announcement that autumn applications of manures are no longer permitted, the pressure on fertiliser prices. So what are the options? Let's ask the experts. So good morning to you both. Morning, morning Tony. Tony. Morning, and um, just to put you guys, the listeners in the picture, David's got this amazing picture of a bit of uh, farm kit uh, behind him in, in his screen. Uh, and Tom, where, where are you calling from today, Tom? I'm calling from Throws Farm, which is one of our, our sort of main technical hubs uh, for our R&D purposes um, in, near Dunmo in Essex. Fantastic. I've never been there, but uh, it's quite an establishment, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's a fantastic resource that we've got within Agri, really. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I mean, give us a scale there. I mean, how many acres of trials actually are conducted from Throws? Oh, well, tr- Throws would be sort of one of our main hubs in terms of R&D um, projects and focus. So we, we, we hold a lot of trials and replicated trials at the site here, but also we run numerous trials away from this site as well. But we do all the data, statistical analysis, grain analysis, um, and packaging and, and, and formulation of, of the various different tank mixes for all of the trials and seeds that go into the, into the ground, really. In terms of winter fert, uh, winter fertiliser, what, what do growers, where are growers right now? What do they need to be starting to think about? Uh, I think a lot of it, Tony, is around getting the crop off to the best start, which sounds an obvious thing to say. But um, I think the, 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 the whole thing around nutrition is inextricably linked with soil structure, soil condition, and uh, how well a plant can access nutrients from the soil depends very much not only what's in the soil, but also how well it's structured. So I think that really the move towards later drilling uh, has put pressure on, particularly with the last two autumns, getting crops into a decent seedbed to get them away before the winter weather. And so, you know, if we can in, include nutrition in the programme, it can be very helpful in overcoming some of those early setbacks that the crop might otherwise suffer. Right. Okay. So cultivation, tillage, really, really important. And Tom, from your perspective, in terms of fertilizer uh, regimes, what should growers be starting to think about right now? Well, at this particular time of year, it, we're, we're just going through the end of harvest, hopefully, um, on the 1st of September. We should be thinking about focusing on soil analysis in terms of planning and preparation uh, for for the crop that's about to be planted. So now is a good time to get out either by using precision farming techniques like by using riser, uh, contour, or just physically getting out in the field uh, with a soil auger uh, and testing the soil. And, and I presume that that's pretty time consuming, isn't it, as, as, as a job that needs to be done? It, it can be time consuming. Um, it's also a good opportunity to walk across the field and and identify you know, what state the field is in after harvest operations. Uh, and, and David would know more of this, but, you know, how, how the field has, has fared in terms of, you know, have you had balers, chaser carts, any particular damage um, to the soil structure through the season, either through weedlings and whatever. But walking across the field with a soil auger gives you a good 
um, visualization of, of what state the field's in, in terms of maybe cultivation decisions as well, really. Yeah, that's really interesting. And David, from your point of view, uh, or your perspective as a farmer, how much time do you spend doing that? Um, I, I have a spade welded to my right hand most of the time. It's uh, usually the first thing that I go in with is a spade to get a, a, an indication of, of the soil that we've got to work with or not, depending on the conditions. But as Tom said, you can often you can use uh, you know digital uh, to to steer you. you. It can be time consuming, as you say, but digital imagery can give you a good steer of where to go and look. But also even without that, as you walk a field, you know, if you see patches of sort of different weeds, things like red shank, they're often an indicator that something is different. It might be drainage, it might be pH. And I think that as you get to walk in the fields, you, you can sometimes actually home in on an area. Um, we tend to talk about testing black and white. So if you've got an area of the field that's looked pretty good and is sort of probably lays quite well, a, a soil test there, and then one from an area that's got more weeds or uh, another issue and I think again it's it's sorting out what is causing that issue is it a structural issue is it a drainage issue is it pH or is it nutrients because they're all sort of linked. Ask you a challenging question here do you think other farmers or farmers in general spend enough time looking at soils and looking at the fields once the crops are removed after harvest? I think there certainly is a lot more interest in debate around soils and the term soil health. So farmers are, um, you know, intrinsically involved in the soil through either driving over them and cultivating them, but, but the history of the land as well. They will, uh, a farmer will have a better understanding of infield variability uh, to someone walking through the farm gate, deciding on where they're gonna sample. And technology obviously helps us, but also, you know, historic knowledge of fields is hugely important because, Often a field has a history uh, and it might have had numerous boundaries at one point or is farmed differently because there are different soil types across the field. Really, Yeah, great. So that's where we are. We need to be looking at the soils and looking at the, uh, the, the fields. Um, so let's think about this autumn then. There are one or two topical issues facing growers. Uh, let's look at one or two of them. Um, the first, which is very topical in the news at the moment, is regarding the autumn applications of farm manure. Um, I know, David, when we talked to you earlier on, that that's quite a challenge. So let's talk about that and understand what is actually happening. What, what's, in summary, what does it mean? <laughs> it, it means uh, more paperwork and more um, confusion for farmers. And I think the big problem is much of the legislation that we get now uh, is not joined up. And the, the problem with that is that the, the, the various agencies have their own issue to deal with. In the case of the water, it's, it's the Environment Agency with the case of uh, polluting, pollutants of water, potentially. Um, but that doesn't really recognise the other thing. So the, 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 the ubiquitous soil health that uh, is so you know so much topical at the moment uh, you know the, the, uh, one of the roles of organic manures is to improve that soil health now obviously they come with uh, a tag of nutrients but it, it, it's there isn't in my opinion no clear uh, understanding between the various agencies about why you're using something and the various benefits of using it because it just contravenes another one of the 
of the debt tax that they may have. So to me, that is the big problem is a lack of joined up uh, legislation. And Tom, from your perspective, farm manures are a very important source of nutrients for crops, aren't they? So what is the impact of these changes for growers? It's, it's a really good question. And um, I, I can see a conversation forming here between David, the farmer, and myself, the advisor now. Yes, the farming rules for water uh, will bring a challenge for farmers. And, and you mentioned at the start of the podcast, farmers can't apply organic manures. It's not necessarily true. It, it means the organic manure needs um, you know, justification of its place. Uh, and, and the whole term, there's a crop need for the organic manure. Uh, and I'm completely with David on the huge benefits of organic manures uh, and the addition to land in terms of what nutrients they bring, and also, let alone um, maybe managing the carbon cycle as well, but also um, improving soil structure through the nature of, 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 of the organic material that, that we're providing uh, to the soil. Sure. So, Tom, I, I might have um, generalised the, the, the rules a bit too much. So can, can you, for all of our listeners, just clarify what your understanding is, just broadly, in terms of these new rules? Yeah, I suppose if, if you want a, a really short potted history of, of what the farming rules for water are, um, the farming rules for water were introduced in April 2018, so that they've been around for a while. Um, and it was um, basically turning um, the codes of good agricultural practice into, into regulation to try and help uh, minimize pollution uh, from organic manures in terms of nitrogen and phosphorus, but also that could include uh, uh, potassium, uh, magnesium, and other elements found in the organic manures as well. Um, so within this, you know, more focus has been, been placed on, on the landowner in terms of how and where they can apply their organic manures. And I, yeah, it brings challenges, but also, I've never had so many conversations around organic manures and best practice. And I think I, as an advisor, I see this as a positive because it's an opportunity, you know, farmers are doing a great job in terms of understanding how important organic manures are, but also we've got the opportunity as advisors to help educate farmers in terms of the challenges with pollution from organic manures uh, and the good and bad things that organic manures can bring to the soil and also a chance to encourage best practice um, and work with the EA and catchment officers on trying to have some sort of harmony in terms of how organic manures do, are used on a farm level, a catchment level, soil type, soil risk zone as well. So I think there's a lot of interesting debate to have around the subject. Yes, and I'm sure there will be a great deal of debate and discussion on that topic. Moving on then to um, another topical issue uh, that we're seeing in the world markets in terms of the price of oil, I'm presuming that that is also going to have an impact on the cost of fertilisers. Normally, yes. Uh, we've seen a huge swing uh, in fertiliser input prices um, in, in comparison to last year. Uh, particularly last year was a very low start price um, for nitrogen-based fertilisers. So in contrast, this year, um, prices have probably risen £100 a tonne and over on fertiliser prices. So 
it's certainly making all of us, um, not just the farmers, but also advisors in terms of how we can make the most, most of the fertilizers that are already on farm and also the fertilizers that farmers potentially have to buy in the next window between now and spring usage. So David, as both an advisor and also as a farmer, what are your views on that? Uh, how, do, how much does that concern you? Yeah, the part of my work uh, with Agri over this last year involved with the Green Horizons project. Um, one of the key thrusts of that has been um, looking at reducing, obviously, carbon footprint. And obviously, from the things that we do as mainly arable farmers, uh, nitrogen is one of the big noughties. And uh, so we've been looking in uh, various pieces of work at how we get more from less or more from the same, maybe. Um, and I, my, my belief is, and I know, you know, Tom and I speak about this a lot, um, is that what if we want to increase our nitrogen use efficiency, uh, so, you know, less fertiliser giving us the same results at the end of the day, because at the moment, allegedly, we're not particularly good at it, only about 60%, which is barely a pass rate, I think. Um, but what I think we're really then talking about, and certainly a lot of our work focused on this year, to, in order to achieve better nitrogen use efficiency, I think we're really talking about nutrient use efficiency. So is uh, nitrogen correctly partnered with the other things that makes nitrogen uh, work more effectively? And, and I think that comes back to my original points around N is you know, the big driver, but it can only work efficiently if it has the other things to support it, but also the soil structure, moisture, uh, and, and, and the, the growth of the plant to make use of that nitrogen. Otherwise, it becomes a pollutant. So I think it, it, it's all part of the parcel. And I think that looking at the balances between the various nutrients to ensure that the nitrogen and phosphorus, and arguably others as well, other nutrients as well, are used efficiently to give the best return not only on investment, but best return from the environmental point of view, then I think that's that's where the, the, the real uh, point of this lies. So as I say, we've started some of that work looking at reducing nitrogen, um, but trying to make sure that it's still utilized effectively using some of the products that Agri have got at their disposal. And I think that that's starting to show some interesting, you know, some interesting uh, results really. Obviously a lot of them numbers are still coming in from this year's work but already there are some good indications that we're on the right lines. Yes and uh, I'm hearing what you're saying about going in the right direction and talking of ways to help growers Tom can you tell us a little bit about this product called Release that you've been working on? Yes I mean we've been working with the Release uh, for numerous years now. Uh, Growers probably are aware of it in terms of its trade name as P-Reserve and P Reserve has been a coating on phosphate fertilizers for the last probably 10 years, um, widely trialed across uh, the agri business and externally outside of agri. Um, and probably within the last three years, we've just started looking at soil applications of P Reserve um, with the trade name of Release, uh, where we apply it to the soil rather than to the fertilizer. Um, they both work in the same way in terms of. Uh, preventing uh, lockup of phosphorus, but release tends to work on phosphorus that's lightly absorbed in the soil, uh, particularly by elements like calcium, and helps to increase that availability uh, for the roots to physically um, take on and utilize. 
Yeah. Uh, and David, do you have anything that you'd like to add to what Tom just uh, just shared? No, as I say, you know, obviously Tom and I sort of communicate quite a lot. And, and certainly a lot of the soils that I work on, including the soils at home, we are inherently high in calcium. It's a chalky boulder clay, so no surprises there. Um, and again, with, with the work we've done with land crop, uh, looking at the availability of nutrients through the year, uh, and then ultimately in the grain has been a very useful piece of work to understand better what happens through the year. And I think that certainly where we start to see these, particularly in our area, high calcium levels, as Tom said, then it's not, it becomes actually not really so much about how much phosphate you've got in the ground. So your traditional soil test may say that you've got an index three, maybe, if you're lucky. Uh, but that doesn't mean that the plant won't be short of calcium, uh, sorry, short of, of, of phosphorus. So we're increasingly looking at the effect of the soil composition, both physically and chemically, in terms of what actually the plant is then able to access as it needs it through the growing season. And I think that's, to me, that's a really, that's a really good way of looking at, 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 the, at the whole situation regarding plant nutrition and growth. Thanks for that, David. Um, we're coming to the end of our podcast now. And to bring all of this together, this great discussion, what would be your top tips to listeners today? Tom? I think, you know, working with David and talking with David, I would always encourage growers to add organic matter and calcium to a basic soil analysis. Um, if they want to get really excited, broad spectrum analysis is fantastic. But we can then tie this in with the manures we've talked about, testing the manures, identifying whether the actual application of manure does the better job uh, and targeting soils where it has the better response. And this all comes from the word testing, really, I, I have to say. Brilliant. Thank you, Tom. And David, from you, what, what would be your top tips to uh, growers out there right now? Uh, I, I could totally agree with Tom that, that testing and, and PS I, my my words to the um, to the to the uh, people that we work with when we do the training for the people just starting in the business and this soils training we've been doing, uh, I'm sort of become semi-famous for for the quotes of I want context uh, and I want basics. So I want the context of somebody says, you know, this is this is my crop, this is my field. I want the, as much context as possible as to what that situation is. I want to see that the basics are addressed first. So Tom said about pH, absolutely agree. I would also add drainage to that, obviously depending on soil type. Then we can start to get a bit more clever around some of the other things. But unless we've got those basics right, we, we'll go nowhere. So um, once we've got those two in place, I then add in the word challenge. So challenge what we're doing, challenge how we do it. Really good top tips. Uh, thank you, David. Thank you, Tom. Uh, it's really enlightening thoughts actually when it comes to winter fertilizer regimes and also nutrients to be thinking about this autumn and we've touched on a couple of really hot topics so thank you very much indeed for that really interesting discussion today um, on winter fertilizers so that's it for today's podcast uh, but do tune in again as we meet the experts throughout the season exploring the many immediate and longer term questions for growers and farmers in the uk if you have any questions you'd like us to ask the experts, email info at agri.co.uk. See you next time.